Welcome to the MentalCast, powered by Soul Performance Academy, and I'm your host, Dan Mickle. MentalCast is a weekly podcast dedicated to the discussions around mental performance, coaching, and other great topics for life learners. For more information, visit danmickle.com and 717soul.com. And you can always reach the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 717soul. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mental Cast Podcast. I am your host, Dan Mickle, and man, does it seem like it has been forever since we've had an episode. Probably because it has been forever since we had an episode. Things have been absolutely crazy this last year, kind of moving the direction around that we wanted to do with the podcast and the blogs and where we were going to host things, and it just got a little bit crazy and just wanted to reevaluate everything and kind of changed the topic for this episode about five times. And um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting because we're going to kick off this new season, I guess we'll call it, with uh, a look at traditions. And it kind of is the root of how all these changes with the podcast came. And it has led to some great conversations with some friends of mine. And I thought, man, this would be a great topic. So I wanted to look at, you know, what traditions are traditionally. I know that's kind of a weird phrase, isn't it, to look at traditions traditionally, but I want to look at traditions in the past and what some of you may have had traditions and how it relates to you, whether you're in a sport or band or even the corporate sales sales force and, and world. When I think of the word tradition, obviously the, the, the thing that pops into my mind the most is being passed down, something that's passed down from generation to generation or it's being shown how it's done every year and the way it's always been done. And it can be a little bit different for everyone. So your your definition or your meaning of tradition may vary slightly than what I'm talking about, but kind of wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. And before we go any further, because I know how social media is and anyone that's putting content out there, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just giving you my opinion and how I view tradition, how I see things. You may have gone your whole life adhering to these strict traditions and things that you've always done and everything has been fine. So I'm not saying traditions are evil. I'm not saying they're the best thing in the world. I'm just letting you know some thoughts and opening up a discussion on what I think about traditions. So that leads me to, are traditions good or bad? And one of the things that we always hear when we talk about tradition is, well, we've always done it that way. Or the ever-famous, that's how I was taught to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I never took a lesson or watched YouTube to learn how to shave. My dad showed me how to shave. And his dad showed him how to shave. And we do it the same way. I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way to shave, but it's what works for me. I know if I shave differently, sometimes it looks like I was attacked by a wild badger and my face is all mangled and bloody because I didn't do it correctly with my skin. But I mean, from the general sense of things of how I do it, I do it probably just like my father did it because that's how his father showed him how to do it. So that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. But what if there was a better way to do it? What if there was a better way to shave? How would I know? How would I be willing to look at it? And sometimes that's the obstacles that we run into when we look at traditions, whether it's in the sport world or the sales world or in the marching band world or whatever you may be doing. So what I want to look at are 
what are some good traditions? What makes a tradition good as opposed to being obviously a bad tradition? And a couple of things that pop into my mind are a good tradition can show you basic the overall concepts and core values of something that you do or methodology that you want other people to do or a way things have been passed down to you. It's a really easy way just to show, hey, this is basically how we do it. This is what we believe in. This is the way it's always been done, and it's worked for us. Sometimes in the, when we're looking at the good side of tradition, traditions bring someone together. One of the examples that I can think of is a, you know, it's weird. I don't even know where this tradition would have started, but almost everyone I know growing up, if you had a pretty big family, had a traditional Thanksgiving Day football game. You would go in the backyard with a bunch of kids and friends and family from the neighborhood and play a game of football. Obviously, watching football on Thanksgiving has been a tradition with the NFL for a while, but the actual act of playing. But I'm amazed at how many people I talk about, oh, yeah, you know, we used to play football on Thanksgiving Day, and like, oh, yeah, me too. And I started to realize that there's just a ton of people do that. So that's a good one. It brings family together. It's something to do. Another thing that tradition can do is it can hold memories and help people remember the history of something. Maybe your family likes to carol on Christmas Eve, and that's one of the traditions that you do. And it kind of gives you the history. Well, you know, our great-grandmother started this when they first moved here from Ireland, and it was a tradition over there, and, you know, there's a whole backstory to it. So the actual tradition and passing on the tradition of that tells the backstory and keeps that history going. It's a way for you to connect maybe with your past a little bit. So what might be some bad examples of tradition? And this is this is where I want to, you know, talk about the meat of our show today. I think a lot of times especially as an athletic coach, we run into a lot of bad traditions. And it comes down to, well, that's the way that I was taught. A prime example is a team is not performing well. Let's say a football team, and I don't mean to pick on football teams or anything like that, but let's say a youth football team. It wasn't uncommon when I was growing up and playing peewee football that if we didn't perform we didn't get the water breaks, or our water breaks were shorter. And I didn't think much of it other than, hey, this is the way it's always been. That's probably the way my coach was coached, you know, being a hard ass. And, hey, you're not getting water. You're not hustling out there, so you're not getting water. As I get older and I start to go back and I look at things, I start to think about tradition in that sense. And, well, if I'm not performing optimally, that means something's wrong. And maybe part of it is I'm dehydrated or I'm just not feeling well. And it's holding a water break against me and over my head a way to really motivate me. And is it beneficial for the team? So that's one way I look at tradition. For the volleyball people, and obviously with my involvement in volleyball, it's it's pretty easy to give you some examples. But here's a great example. I believe it's been since 1998 or 1999, maybe, that they removed the hash marks on the service line, and you're able to serve anywhere on the end line. The funny part is, if you go into any gym today, 
I would bet you that 90% of the players still serve from within the boundaries of what the old hash marks were. Because everyone that was playing or a coach back in the day when we had that limited area continues just out of habit and out of tradition to demo from that area, serve from that area, teach from that area, and everyone just picks it up. But it's been 20 years since that's been a rule. But it won't die because that's just what's handed down. We go back to the one spot and serve from the one spot. Even though we can serve from anywhere on that back line. I wish I knew baseball a lot more because with a lot of the ritual and things that we see, you know, batters going up the plate, I am sure there is a ton of tradition that would make you question why is it done this way. Um, I, I just I don't know enough about baseball. The, the limited things I've seen that I have questioned was sometimes batting practice. Someone's working on a curveball, so it's curveball, curveball, curveball. Why wouldn't you mix it up? Maybe get those batters trying to read different pitches instead of just, hey, here's your 30 reps, okay, on to the next person to cycle through. Well, here's your 20 minutes. Stretching routines. First day of basketball practice, everyone already knows your stretching routine because everyone does the same thing. Until the coach finally says, no, no, we're going to change this and we're going to move it up. But why do we do that specific routine every time? Because that's the way that we were taught. Even though there may be no beneficial uh, result from it, we continue to do it. So one of the ones that really sticks out and the reason that it, it, it just pops up to me right away is I saw college football is getting ready to start and they were showing a clip of the Miami Hurricanes and one of the clips had the turnover chain. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, you know whoever leads the team in, in creating turnovers and causing and recovering turnovers gets to wear this huge gold chain with the big U on it and makes a big deal out of it. And the first time I saw it, I thought, well, that's kind of cool. It's motivating. But now the focus is so much on the chain. Have we forgotten about what actually gets us the chain? Have we forgot about the technique of creating those turnovers? and trying to get those turnovers to help the team because we're so focused on getting that chain, getting that reward. The Army-Navy game, the Army-Air Force game, any of the Armed Forces games, they're all amazing games, regardless of the level of play. And usually, you know, some of those games are so completely lopsided. But... Have we gotten so much into the argument over which armed forces is better, not even on the football field, but just in general, that we've forgotten about the basis of the game and why the game started, why they play each other? And I know it kind of all intermingles. And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying at what point, though, don't we step back and look at our traditions and ask ourselves, are we doing this? for a reason. Do we even know why we're doing this? And if we know why, do we know if it's beneficial to our main goal? 
whatever our main goal is for our team, whether it's winning a championship or just getting better or developing players, is this tradition helping me for those goals? Or am I just doing it because it's always be done? You know, it's always been done. And I think that's that's what we have to look at. When I had a conversation with my good friend Donnie that owns an ice cream shop, they have a tradition where they only sell certain flavored ice creams on the weekend. So when they're open regular hours during the week, you can have your chocolate, you can have your vanilla, and you can have your chocolate vanilla mixed ice cream. On the weekends, they add in a special flavor. Banana, uh, peanut butter, which is my favorite. So I said to Donnie, why? Why is it that the special flavors are only available on the weekend? And he said, pretty much that's just the way we've always done it. Now, it may have started because they they needed the extra spigot or whatever you would call it to to have the ice cream come out during the week because of the volume and it was more work to clean it every day and put a special flavor in. But now he's got that business running finely tuned that I don't think it would be an issue. And I think even he has admitted to me that it wouldn't be an issue to run the flavors every day. Now, the flavors, the special flavors do create an increase in profits and sales for that weekend, especially something like peanut butter, which is, I think, their most popular um, flavor, special flavor. So then it becomes, well, are we getting that big bump because it's limited and it's just that weekend? Or is it just perceived a big bump if we offered it all week long? Will we just see a slight increase every day as opposed to the big increase on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I I don't know, and I and honestly, I don't think he cares that much, and I don't care that much if he changes it. But it was a great discussion. I don't know that he's ever thought that much about it, about why do it that way. Why not offer the special flavor? Another great discussion that I had is with Brett Kiesling, who is the host of the ESOP podcast and the link will be in the notes to the show if you want to check out his podcast give it a listen it's a great podcast and we talked about a company that i used to work for and and the reason we started talking about was because they've they've recently in the last i would say decade have become an esop employee owned company as opposed to a privately owned company and he just asked me why I left that company. And I said, you know, I loved the company. I loved the people I work with. I loved the family that owned it. But I just really wasn't into sales and I wasn't into that corporate environment. And one of the things I brought up was we were all inside sales. You know, 75 of us doing phone sales all over the world and all over the country. But our dress code was a shirt and a tie every day. And I asked my direct supervisor after about a year there, you know, we're on the phone. No one can see us. Why? And the first response he gave me was, well, we've always dressed professionally. And then that conversation evolved into what you would expect that, you know, if you dress professionally, then you sound professionally on the phone. 
and I wouldn't say my argument, but my pushback was that people seem to be more apt to buy from people they're comfortable with. And if I'm comfortable while I'm on the phone selling, the people I'm selling to will probably be more comfortable. And obviously nothing changed. And shortly after I left, they changed the dress code to business casual. Polos, khakis, dress pants, you know, those types of things. And I'm not saying that has changed the you know, projections of their sales and the directory of the company. But the company certainly has grown a ton since I've been there for a lot of reasons. But I find it interesting that they stopped and looked at that policy. And I would love to know if they studied, hey, what was our turnover rate? Was this an issue? Again, they may not be related at all. But I always found it odd that I had to wear a shirt and tie to go and sit and talk to people all day long on a phone. It worked the same way when I worked at, well, it's it's now GameStop, but when I was working, it was Electronics Boutique. My first couple years at Electronics Boutique, we had to wear a full suit, not even a shirt and a tie. We had to have a jacket and everything to sell software in the mall. I don't know anyone that's comfortable buying anything from anyone in a mall that's in a suit and tie. I don't go to the mall to buy things from people in a suit and tie. And again, I argued with our regional salesman. I, I wouldn't say argue. I just said, it seems ridiculous to me. I want my customer to relax. I don't want to look like a slob. I'm not going to sit there and wear a Slayer t-shirt trying to sell this guy Office 92. But I want to be comfortable. And now, since even before GameStop, when Electronics Boutique became EB Games, everything got a little bit relaxed. They were wearing professional polos, dark slacks, nice shoes. But the answer always came back to, well, this is the way it's always been done. This is the way corporate world has always done it. So we're going to continue to do it. And we have those same examples all over the world. And we have examples of people breaking that mold. Henry Ford breaking the mold of how production was done and making a production line. He didn't do it the way it's always been done. He made the production line. Again, I'm not saying that tradition is bad, but we have to be able to look at traditions objectively and decide, are they hindering or helping or a non-factor in what our goals are and our process to get our goals? A great example is a discussion I had with Pete Wong. And I got to tell you, this topic is so far beyond me that I won't even do it justice. But I promised Pete that I would mention him on the podcast and we would talk about it. Is single-payer health care. Now, I don't care what side you're on. But health care in America is the way it is because that's just always the way it's been done. And people are afraid to change it. I don't know what the answer is. That's for people above my pay grade. Let them sit in Congress and fight about what they think is the right direction for healthcare in America. But what I'm saying is it's evident that things are being done in the healthcare industry because that's the way it has always been done. Pete went into a lot more detail and it made a lot more sense, but there's no way I could do that argument justice right now 
and repeat it. How about education? What time do your kids go to school? Chances are it's somewhere around the 7.30 to 8.30 range. And they go somewhere till about 2.30 to 3.30. Five days a week. Yet on the other side, we have academia putting study out after study out after study out saying a later start to school has better results educationally. The four-day school week might be more beneficial. Block scheduling versus staggered scheduling. There's all these data points out there, yet we continue to do everything exactly the same way because everyone is afraid to buck the trend and to make waves in the ocean. And I realize changing something like the educational system would be a massive undertaking and it would change and have so many repercussions outside of the educational world. But don't you think it's something that we deserve to look at? If we change how many days a week a kid goes to school or what the hours of school are, then parents have to change their work hours, their work schedules, I mean, there is a ton of stuff. And again, it goes back to the tradition of the five-day work week. Why do we work five days a week? If I'm a salesman and my goal is to sell $100,000 a week, why does it matter whether or not I work four days or three days? And I know the argument's going to be, hey, if you're selling $100,000 in three days, imagine what you could sell in five days. And I'm sorry, but that just doesn't hold weight with me. Because what's happening is I am focused and better focused, better managed, better organized for those three days to get that result. And if I spread it over five, I'm getting distracted. I'm taking more breaks taking the newspaper into the bathroom and wasting company time. And don't act like you all haven't done it before, right? It's the morning, you got to go to the bathroom, but you decide you're going to wait till you get to the work so you can take care of business on the company time. But these are the things that happen when we just get stuck in that rut of tra tradition. I know it sounds crazy, but stop and think about all the things that you do and why you do it. That's my homework assignment for you. One, one or two days this week, just journal everything you do. Like literally everything. And then try and justify why you did it. Was it because it got you towards your goal? Or was it just because it's the way you've always done it? Because it's always been tradition. Often think about how much would people flip in the state of Texas if you moved high school football games to Saturday? Now, I get it. 
lot of repercussions because of college football and all that overlap. But let's just take all that out of the side. Let's, let's forget about how it would affect the NFL and how it would affect college football and just talk about high school football. It's always Friday. Friday night lights. And anytime there's a Saturday game, it's like, oh, wait, we got to change everything because we have a Saturday game. How do we handle this extra day? But those towns in Texas would freak out if they didn't have football on Friday night in the fall. There's no doubt in my mind. And that is nothing bad about Texas or football or football in Texas. I'm just saying we get so entrenched in how these things are that it's crazy. I had the pleasure of going to Scotland and Ireland over the summer, and it cracks me up. My European friends are amazed with how many red lights and traffic lights and stop signs we have in the United States. My friends and family in the United States are freaked out at the concept of roundabouts. Well, they're freaked out because the limited uses of roundabouts that we have, particularly in this area of Pennsylvania, no one knows how to do them, so it slows everything down because everyone's scared to death they're going to get plowed. Meanwhile, you drive four hours in Scotland from the Highlands down to Edinburgh, and it's like nothing. You go through like 300 roundabouts, and it doesn't even slow you down, and the traffic patterns are efficient. They're getting ready to do a big construction project right by my house. Well, they keep saying it, but... they're. Them building that is actually worse than me producing a new episode of this podcast. But on the plans, there's a roundabout. And you would have thought you were asking people to jump their cars across the toll bridge to get to this project. This will never work. How's this going to work? This is crazy. People hit people and like babies are going to wander and get run over in the roundabout. Like It is crazy how people freak out about something like this because... Traditionally, we've never had roundabouts in this area. I know this all seems like just this random, wild tangent, but it's all related. It all comes down to we really, really do get stuck doing the same thing over and over again, and we can get positive results. Not saying it's bad, but what's bad is not revisiting them. Oh yeah, we're winning 20 games a season with these methods. Why would I change it? Well, maybe you'll win 25 games out of that season. Just because you're successful doesn't mean you shouldn't go back and look at all your processes. And as a coach, that's probably the biggest change I've made over the last 10 years. I go back and look at my processes every year. I look at everything we did, our preseason, our weightlifting, our speed and agility, our skill sessions, our breakout sessions, our classroom sessions, our scheduling. 
the biggest thing for me is since I've been at the college coaching, we had the same routine. Show up two hours early, get ready, sit around, start our hour warm-up, then do the official warm-up, and then play our matches. It just seemed like a lot of sitting around, and the, and the players hated it. So last year, we switched it. We show up a lot later. And guess what? Our results were better. For me, I'm lucky enough... I can compare the last two seasons because I had the exact same players. Sure, they've gotten better, so I would hope that things gotten up, you know, stat-wise. But I can see how the changes affected the same people. And it didn't throw things off, and we had more time. We were more relaxed on the trips. We weren't bored. We weren't so tired. Our warm-ups weren't a drag because we've been sitting around for so long. So when we come back, I, I, I need to plug my book really quick, and then we're going to come back and look at maybe how we can fix some of this tradition or what else is going on. But I wanted to let you know that after a year and a half of trying to figure this out, the Don't Sucks Performance Journal is finally available, and it can help you take your game of your craft to the next level. It's a great four-month planner, undated, That'll help you with everything from goal setting to meditation and breathing. And it really is a must-have for anyone that's serious about getting your game or your craft to the next level. And you can go online to 717soul.com slash DSPJ. 717soul.com DSPJ for the Don't Sucks Performance Journal. And you can read more about the journal, see some samples, and you can buy the journal online. Look, it's not a magic bullet, but man, it will absolutely help you and your athletes stay focused, look at the big picture, and hopefully keep them accountable. It's a great. Pick up your copy today. It's $19.99, and you can have it in, I think turnaround is right now about a week, week and a half. Volume discounts, if you like it and you want to get it for your team. Check it out. Don't Suck Performance Journal. 717soul.com slash DSPJ. And don't forget to hit us up on all the social media at 717soul. Use the hashtag Ask717soul and the hashtag Don't Suck to get our attention. And we can answer your questions or maybe have some show ideas. All right, so getting back to looking at traditions and now, how do we fix some of those? And really, it's easy to fix. First, got to figure out if it's broken. Again, maybe some of the traditions are perfect, and you can continue them. But step number one is evaluating. What is something that you have always done? As a coach with your team, whether it's a warm-up, a drill pre-game, something in the game. Again, not saying it's good or bad, but is it worth it? Can you do it better? Am I turning a blind eye because we're successful and that's working, but can it be better? 
another thing is to test your tradition is does it still tell you why you're doing it do you know why that tradition exists I remember for years we were forced to learn and recite the alma mater of my high school. And it just became words. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. It just became words. And one of the best things that ever happened to me in the Pledge of Allegiance category was in 10th grade, I had German, first class of the day, and she had us learn the Pledge of Allegiance in German. And I know that may sound weird, and at the time I wasn't sure how it would go, or even how I really felt about it. It seems kind of weird saying the Pledge of Allegiance for the flag of the United States in German. But what it made me do was think about every single word and what it meant and how they went together. It stopped the monotony of just saying it to get through it. Remember how you sang the national anthem prior to September 11th, 2001? Versus after that day for the longest time I would imagine that it moved you and I worry that we're getting back into that rut because it's been so long you know we're now coaching kids that weren't alive for them those tragic events of September 11th are pure history it's like me and World War II I just know what I, they just know what they've been told. We, I just know what I've been told and have seen and have read about World War II. Are we playing the national anthem before games just to play it because that's what we do now? Because there was a time when we didn't play the national anthem before sporting events. And things seemed to get along pretty fine. And then it started. And I have no problem with it. And I'm not downplaying it. But my question is, do we play it now and just try to get through it so we can start the game? Has it lost its meaning? Has the tradition of playing that game overtaken the meaning of standing for a national anthem? And I'm not talking about the debate of whether you're kneeling or standing. I, I'm not going there, and that's not what this is about. This is simply about has the act and the tradition of playing the national anthem before every game become more important than the words and what the national anthem actually is. And that's what concerns me overall about tradition. Do we get so focused on the tradition, so focused on earning the turnover chain, so focused on getting the sticker on the helmet, that we forget about why we're getting it? Because we've worked hard to earn those skills. Because I'm trying to help my team win with the turnovers. I'm trying 
to get into the end zone to get the sticker on my helmet. Again, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I think they're cool. But are the people that are celebrating the turnover chain celebrating because they led their team in sacks or turnovers? Or are they celebrating because they got the chain? And that's my concern. So what do we do? I would love to hear your comments and your suggestions. Post them under this episode. Hit us up on Twitter with them. But for me, I think the simplest solution is we just revisit them. One of the traditions that I've had for the longest time, I, I think it started when I, it definitely started when I was starting out coaching high school boys, 1999. To this day, I try my hardest. It doesn't always work, but I always eat a hot dog before every game. And then it became about, oh my gosh, did you eat your hot dog? If you didn't eat your hot dog, we're not going to win. And the focus became more on eating the hot dog. But really, the whole reason the tradition started was because I would walk from the gym to the concession stand right before warm-ups, and that was the equivalent of me turning my hat around like Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top which is by far probably the worst Sylvester Stallone movie ever about the arm wrestling. But in the movie, he would have his lights. When he would go from nice guy to tough guy, he would turn his baseball cap around. And what I figured out was I was leaving the gym right before warm-ups to walk down and get the hot dog because that's what cleared my mind. It got me out of the gym. It got the nerves out of the game. It was just the walk, clearing my head, getting the hot dog. But at some point, the focus left. And it didn't matter. Now it was about running to the concession stand, jamming the hot dog in my mouth because I forgot. And the whole purpose of that tradition was gone out the window. That was the problem. So that's my challenge to everyone. What are some of the warning signs? When do you start to know that maybe a tradition needs to be revisited. Again, I think you should revisit everything every year, postseason, before season, whenever it's comfortable for you. And I hope to get some some really great guests on the podcast because I want to know, you know, what are some of their rituals and traditions and how do they do it beyond the other stuff that I want to talk about, like the motor learning and how they make drills game-like for their baseball and for their soccer matches. I would love to hear from them about their traditions and how they avoid those pitfalls. So your homework assignment, which I would love for you to do, and let me know how it goes, would be if you're a coach and you're in season or you have the availability for the next day, two days, whatever's a good period for you, just journal everything that you do and look at what's your tradition. What are you doing on a daily basis that you do all the time over and over, but you don't, is there a reason why? There may be or there may not be. And if there isn't a reason why, then we have to figure out why. Why isn't there a reason you're doing it and you're just doing it?
That's the conversations I want to have. And I love talking to all of you on social media. I got to be better at Twitter. Twitter's probably my downfall. I'm just not very good at Twitter. I just forget to open it. But I talk to a lot of you that listen to this podcast on Facebook. But let's have this conversation on podcasts. Let's open it up for other people. I I get tired of talking. I would love to have more people on to help fill the time and open my mind up. I want to learn new things. I want to be challenged. I have a few few coaches, baseball coaches uh, that I've gone to high school with that have been really successful coaches. Football coaches, same way. Just sports I don't really know a lot about. But they challenge me. Sometimes I'll post something and they're like, really? Like, why? Or they'll post something and I'll challenge them. And we have these great discussions. But I feel like more people need to hear them. And that's why I decided to start this new season or whatever we want to call it with the traditions. Because I think it's something that we all fall into. And I think it's something that we all need to look at. So I thank you for tuning in. I know this episode is probably a little rough. I have to get back into the groove. Probably not my best episode ever. But again, I would love to hear your feedback. You can reach us. Info at mentalcast.com. Dan Mickle at danmickle.com, info at 717soul.com. All our stuff on social media is at 717soul, the numbers 717soul, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and to continue these conversations and hopefully help some people out and, and really hopefully help myself out. Let me learn something new and maybe change my thinking. That's what I want to have. So again, thank you. Don't forget to check out the book. I'm sure I'm going to add a little book bumper at the end when I sign off. But uh, yeah, so thank you. And hope to hear from you next week. Hey everyone, this is Dan Mickle with Soul Performance Academy. Just dropping you a quick line to let you know that the 2019 Don't Sucks Performance Journal is now available to order online. Help take your game or craft to the next level with this great four-month journal. From goal setting to meditation, this journal is a must-have for anyone who's serious about getting to the next level, whether you're an athlete, a musician, or in the corporate world. Learn more and order online at 717soul.com slash DSPJ. That's 717soul.com slash DSPJ. And remember, don't suck. listening to this episode of the mental cast please remember to follow us on all social media at 717 soul and drop by our facebook and twitter pages to leave us your comments and your show ideas and don't forget the official don't suck performance journal is now available for purchase online visit 717 soul.com slash 
DSPJ. That's 717soul.com slash DSPJ for more information and to order your copy today. Have a great day and remember, don't suck.